If you turn this episode off now, you'll get the first ending to this podcast, which not only deletes it, but no one will ever be able to find a podcaster named Nick again. Today we're talking about Nier. Everybody and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G, and today we're talking about Nier and possibly also Drakengard. <laughs> <laughs> and here with me to do that are two best friends, Nick T. Is this a curse or some kind of punishment? I often think about the god who blessed us with this cryptic puzzle of a podcast, and I wonder <laughs> if we'll ever get the chance to kill him. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and Nick Z. I did have a maid outfit on, but then I self-destructed, and uh, right now I'm wearing my alternate costume. <laughs> and joining us today, special guest friend of the podcast and preeminent neurologist, SM Zilla Rules, a.k.a. Sarah. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and holding our hand through this pretty insanely detailed world. Yeah. yeah. There's a big divide in the amount of familiarity with near and dragon guard and all, all of the things so i'm i'm very much i guess forward. there's a story about dragon guard. no i i just mean that it's uh well how about i dive into the fandom facts and sarah please correct me when i am wrong because i will be wrong <laughs> but I, I think that'll probably clarify some things So fandom facts, let's talk a little bit about Nier. What is it, the history and origins, before we get into some of the more fun stuff. So as Sarah knows, and as we're all otherwise finding out, Nier is a complicated game series to explain. It is definitely most well-known because of the 2017 entry in the series, Nier Automata. Or... I see that, oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> but technically, that is the sequel to the less popular Nier, released in 2010, which itself is a sequel to ending of Drakengard? Yep. That's right. Yep. Cool. So, uh, and I, I've actually missed a step too because I think Near Automata is like the third ending to Near. It's a complicated timeline. It's the, the fourth. The fourth. Technically, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, normally we would talk about, you know, what is this thing and we'll go a little bit more in depth. But because it's a bit more complicated, we're going to have to, like, circle in and out and come back and go to the chapter select menu and redo some quests. And <laughs> So we're going to get there. Uh, speaking just about Nier and Nier Automata for the moment, the games are set in the far future where Earth has been left in a state of decay. Nier focused on the character of the same name attempting to find a cure for an illness, the Black Scroll, and the sequel focuses on combat android 2B in the midst of a proxy war between androids and machines created by otherworldly invaders. Uh, did I mention it gets complicated? <laughs> both near and near automata were written by the eclectic yoko taro and combined have sold over 2.5 million copies worldwide yeah it's a it's a lot um he was nothing before (laughs) it just boggles my mind like hadn't done anything well like i don't know near was such a niche fandom and drakengard was even more niche so yeah for me, the biggest thing is I remember playing Dragon Card on the PS2, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get on the dragon, I'm gonna fly around, I'm gonna kill these mobs oh of enemies, God. and I'm like, and then I'm playing Near Automata, and Purple I'm like, tunnel. yeah, yeah, 
<laughs> and I'm like, I, these games don't seem like they're the same. The stories don't, like, very, very different. I took a look at the search data to try to figure out um, how popular the game series are. But again, because it's not one, like, definitive series, it's a little more complicated. <laughs> I did plot out Drakengard, Nier, and Nier Automata. Uh, unsurprisingly, it's very spiky. So, like, when Nier Automata came out, there was the biggest spike. Uh, although, in general, interest has gone up since 2004. Looking just at Automata, does anybody want to guess what the top country for searches for Near Automata is? Sarah, if you've got a guess, you can also go for it. I'm Singapore. Sing- yeah, <sighs> I can take my guess. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> right. I remember you said that in the last one. It was like Singapore. <laughs> it comes up Singapore surprisingly. It shows up a lot yeah, in almost everything we search. I mean, they do speak English. Okay, G says South Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Sarah? Uh, Japan? I don't Japan. know. <laughs> all right. Z, you are the most wrong, but you are all... <laughs> hey, this is different, because you're all partially right. In fact, G, you're the most right. Uh, top result, South Korea. Oh, hey. Second oh, result, Japan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, good job. You can pat yourselves on the back. Uh, Taiwan, mm-hmm. Singapore, Hong Kong, Philippines, Moldova... Malaysia, mm-hmm. Russia, Puerto Rico. Russia. Huh. I also looked up near specifically, and it's pretty similar in terms of the top five, but in sixth place, Canada makes appearance, <laughs> and in tenth place, Australia makes an appearance. So maybe they got a little bit of, of some pull relative to near Automata. I don't know. Hmm. I also tried to find out how big the fandom is. This is just based on what I could find, but I, and like Sarah, you have cosplayed as numerous characters from the series, <laughs> so you're probably a bit more connected there. I found out that there's 31,000 subscribers to the Near subreddit, mm-hmm. about 2,700 ratings for Automata on Metacritic, and as previously mentioned, like Near Automata has sold over 2 million copies. Are there like forums that people tend to hang out on, or like, is there like a whole cosplay community? There's a Near Discord. Mostly run by Rekka, who is a very big um, Nier and Dragon Guard guru, basically. <laughs> um, she's mostly on Twitter, and uh, she translates a lot of the lore stuff, which she's, she's like, a great asset to this community. And uh, I'm pretty sure she, she was one of the people who made the Discord. I'm not really on it that much, but I usually talk about Nier and Dragon Guard on Clemson's Discord. Clemson's a YouTuber that also covers a lot about Dragon Guard and Nier, and it's how I started to find out more about the series too before I even played Dragon Guard. Wow. I didn't get the chance to watch any of the Mr. Clumps' videos, but there's definite like I went to his Patreon to take a peek and it's just like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him. There's so much that he's gone into. I love him. Like I followed him for like three years and I'm so happy he's like super famous now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. I do have a couple quick fast facts before we dive into some famous last words. I looked up fanfics. Oh. <laughs> it, when we can, it, it's fun to try to see yes. kind of like wh- how things break down. Uh, so I went up to Archive of Our Own. There's about 400 fanfics related to uh, Nier, most of them related to Automata. Of course. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, most of the relationships, about 200 out of the 400, are female-male. I guess people aren't too much into like the slash for that. Most of them have zero crossover. Like, there's like 350 or something. They're all near Automata. Mm-hmm. There's like seven that are crossovers with Overwatch or something <laughs> else. Oh, 
So if you want to check that out, you can go find your your <laughs> near Overwatch crossover. Most of the fanfics, unsurprisingly, involve 2B and 9S. Mm-hmm. That's like the majority of them. And I was looking on the near subreddit and somebody did a best girl survey, which is the closest I could find to a demographic survey. <laughs> unsurprisingly, 2B beat out A2. <laughs> I'm shocked. A2 is bay. <laughs> <laughs> it was very close. It was like a difference of like 20 or 30 votes or something. Wow. So that is all that I have for Fastbacks, unless anybody else found anything interesting. This isn't something that people don't know about Nier, but like the fact that one one of the endings like removes your save file and you can no longer make a file with the name that you made that file with <laughs> is like an extra kind of meta spooky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that the canonical ending? Like that's that's the one that connects the timelines? Mm-hmm. Both both Nier and Nier Automata are like that, yep. <laughs> sorry for spoilers oh no, no. my god i mean don't but like yeah the, those are canon it's very hard to avoid spoilers on something like this yeah <laughs> like at some point it'll be like oh when this happened it's like wait i don't know who that character is it's like uh, <laughs> well we could dive into the famous last words then mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. we get into the main discussion absolutely Z should go last Z should go last sure i'm gonna start with my f- famous last words and I, I'm hoping that I can lean on Sarah because I got like a really quick Cliff's Notes version from a Reddit. <laughs> but uh, so last episode, I, before doing any of the research, had said, you know, how did the series go from dragons <laughs> to robots? How did we get there? What happened? Mm-hmm. And I got like a very succinct answer and I read it and I'm like, I still don't understand what I'm reading. <laughs> so... If you happen to know, Sarah. A little bit. How did the series go from dragons to robots? Well, basically, the Dragon Guard world is not Earth. It's a alternate universe. And um, basically, there's that world. Dragon Guard 3 kind of, like, builds it up. It's it's a prequel. So Dragon Guard 3 is a prequel to Dragon Guard 1. So it comes the first. The first one is chronologically the first one is Dragon Guard 3 with, with Zero and all the Intoner sisters and the flower that is coming out of Zero's eye. Basically it sets up that universe and then Dragon Guard 1 happens where the religion that is made in Dragon Guard 3 starts taking hold of everyone who is in this this uh, village called Midgard. Well, city called Midgard. And then all the events that happened in Dragon Guard 1, what Nick T said before, ending E, is the ending that transports the main characters and the villain to Tokyo, modern day. And then the disease spreads from that boss, the final boss. And then that creates the disease that's happening in the first near game. And then even those aren't humans. It kind of becomes like it, humans die out because basically you start off as playing human near, but he's already turned into a gestalt. It's kind of like, a, you know, Blade Runner. I, I never watched the new one, but I know that there's replicants. Yeah, yeah. It's basically the same kind of concept. He took it from Blade Runner, basically. And they basically are harnessing the power to make shells of themselves so they can get rid of this the humans want to get rid of this disease that was caused by the boss of dragon guard and in order to do that 
they need some time. So they want to put people in these shells and then put them back together later on. But sadly, the Gestalt project fails. And that's why, well, there's other stuff specifically <laughs> that, that happen in near with the replicants that you play as that's literally 90, well, 95 like percent of the game is you play as the replicants. And basically the end of that you realize they aren't humans. Like Devil and Popola, the redhead twins, they're actually androids. And they reveal this to everyone. They're like, oh yeah, humanity's like gone, basically. They, they tell everyone about the Gestalts and the replicants. And then it's like a huge mind blown thing. And then, um, so yeah, humans have been dead for a long, long time. <laughs> because the the main difference between the Gestalt time, like the prologue of Near One and the replicant world is like i think a thousand years or something almost a thousand years so yeah so humanity died some time in between then because in automata they put this like false hope into the robot or not i mean the androids sorry there's a distinct difference between robots <laughs> and androids yes <laughs> and there's there's a lot of connections too like the reasons that the robots kind of took over in the automata world is because of a robot that is very you don't think it's important in near but it actually becomes very important because he gains the knowledge himself through a shade who is a relapsed gestalt so it used to be a human but that's the main enemies of near one is the shades because they used to be human and um basically he gains knowledge from the shade the shade dies the robot lives the robot gets intelligence over the 9,000 years between Nier and Nier Automata, and then shoots its way up to the aliens. This is, whoa, there's aliens. Aliens are making robots. That's cool. Let, let's hack them. And then he hacks them, and then he gives them emotion. And that's why they have emotion in Automata. That's why it's such a big deal. Like, oh, my God. Existential crisis everywhere. That's why it's, like, so – they're all pretty existentialist. I did a report on existentialism in college, too. So that, that's why this series really resonated with me. Uh, but it's very big in Automata because they're asking, what does it mean to be human? Like, humans have been gone for so long. I wonder how they are. And I want to be like them. That's all they want. They just want to be like humans. <laughs> and it's really sad. To your point about existentialism, the main character of Automata is literally called to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know before the episode mm -hmm. it had occurred to me that instead of taking that quote from the beginning of the game i would be like to be or not to be yeah basically but at no point had it ever just like occurred to me it really is <laughs> yeah that's it everyone's so right with i'm done <laughs> great episode everybody i'll see you later right. no done yeah. that's the meaning of life is to be i mean Based on what you said, I, I like, and I'm like, there are some, some pieces missing in the story. And I'm sure as I, oh, yeah, the second so playthrough, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, that probably explains this and that other thing. But more than any of that, as you were talking through that, I was thinking about how at one point I played Kingdom Hearts and how that all made sense. Oh God. And then I didn't play any of the other games <laughs> and I've seen timelines and I'm like, nope. It's Kingdom not. Hearts still confuses the crap out of There's me. There's a I lot. Can't. Like, I can't understand more than one, two, and if I sleep, that's it. <laughs> I would hope that that's all you need to know, but maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so, 
In short, I wanted to find out like how this series all works and how it was all connected. So I read all the Wikipedia articles about mm-hmm. them, and that didn't Very work. <laughs> so I watched a video <laughs> that kind of connected the lore, and that still didn't really work. And Which, then, was it Valkyrie Aurora? I don't remember. Because I know she's kind of... Uh, give me a sec. I'll find out. It came up um, came up like it was leading up to Automata. Um, I know she does leave out a bunch of stuff. If it was Valkyrie Aurora's, it was. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, you, you just I gave like a short. You just gave like a short summary, and I'm like beginning to get it. But I think I feel like these are almost easier to comprehend as separate games. Yeah, basically, I didn't get into Dragon Guard until after I played Near Automata. Actually, I I played Near three years ago and I it became one of my favorite games. I loved it. Because and I didn't know anything about Dragon Guard. I looked up some stuff, but I wasn't too into Dragon Guard yet. Um and then I played Near Automata and then I was like, now I need to get into Dragon Guard. And everything started to make sense. So because there's a lot of connections from all of them that just kind of make sense after you figure out things. And we don't talk about Dragon Guard too. You can yeah. just ignore that one. That was that it was, doesn't exist. That was made fairly clear. Yeah. yeah. The video it's, is like here's some information about how Dragon Guard two falls into things. But don't worry about it because that's not canon. In yeah, any just way. don't even worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. So what you're telling me is that it takes longer than a week to completely understand all the games. Yeah, it's been three years for me. Yeah, well, it's been oh, it's been only one year since I started learning about Dragon Guard, though. And I kind and I kind of, in my opinion, I think I know Dragon Guard better than me. How oh, interesting! Yeah, because I think being on Earth it complicates things for me a little bit. Um, but I mean, especially with Automata, they introduced a bunch of stuff that's kind of unclear still for someone who even knows the past and what happened. There's still a lot of an- unanswered things that. I don't know if his new games will take place after Automata or what, but yeah. Interesting. Okay, let's take a quick little interlude and uh, investigate some of the other famous last words. I'm hoping a little bit less complex, but I, I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, G, you had mm-hmm. asked, why are there more albums than there are games? Yeah, the reason I asked that is like, like I get, you know, all games will have a soundtrack, but like there must have been something going on with the music that there's so many more albums than there are games and i guess the answer is that the music is really good (laughs) oh yeah okabe-san is so good um and actually i do know some fun facts jack and guard one and obviously two were not composed by okabe-san like he no no jack and guard one was yoko taro's first game in this universe like in terms of coming out um, to purchase and it was very very grating and just harsh violins yeah. like mm-hmm. was most of, most of the soundtrack and it it does, a lot of stuff didn't even have melody it, it was i'm guessing that's my opinion that it's just trying to install fear in you because you play as this basically a murderer he's just murdering the you don't know if he's doing the right thing or, or not um zero and dragon Ball three is very similar to um, but like that feeling of Dragon Guard One, I I feel like it's the most messed up game in the series. So hmm. I think that installs fear a lot, and it, it that the whole fact of it being so messed up really just amplifies that how horrid that soundtrack is. It's not horrible, but it's just like <laughs> so grating on the ears. My roommate got me into Dragon Guard, and he 
he called it grading. Yeah, I think that's a great word to describe it. Um, but Near and then Dragon Guard was made after Near and then Near Automata. They were all composed by Keichi Okabe. And he, I don't know, it's just a very, very great sound. And a lot of songs from Automata are actually from the first Near. And nobody's really touched on it, but I do hear some Dragon Guard elements in Automata songs, like a couple songs. I hear the bells ringing from ending E of Dragon Guard 1, which leads to Nier. I hear that sometimes, and I don't know if it's just my ears or what, but it's really weird. <laughs> Next week we have Dan, who did that Final Fantasy panel. We should get him to get on the whole Nier train. <laughs> He'll be like, ah, yes, this is like a, a motif that they use between these two pieces, and you're like, I don't know what any of that <laughs> yeah. means, but I believe you. <laughs> I do. I used to be so into music. I used to play with clarinet, and I used to know how to read music, and I was super into music. I can tell a composer. Now, I I never realized that I still kind of kept that mentality of knowing composers in games I've never even played or know about. So, I don't know. I really like game music a lot. Well, it's got lots of good examples. There just must be really strong melodies to all the songs. They're very sad. First of all, there seem to be a lot of vocals and, and tracks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Even if it's not words, a lot of it's just kind of like, well, especially in Dragon Guard 3, I feel like there's a lot of just like humming a little bit, but there is a language that Yoko Taro made that oh, cool. kind of is basically mostly of what people are singing. It's like a mixture between Japanese and French. Like, Emmy Evans, actually, the main singer, mm-hmm. she actually created this language. Oh, cool. And... So, yeah. But some of the songs in Dragon Guard are Japanese. Dragon Guard 3. Has anyone here seen Ghost in the Shell? By a standalone complex, I should say? No. Can't say I have, I but I don't remember anything from it. Oh, it's not going to work. <laughs> I was going to say, listening to the music, uh, it was reminded me of bits and pieces of that. But that's because a lot of the music from there, and I could be mistaken, I think it's Yoko Kano. Oh. But... A lot of the tracks are performed in English and like Russian. Okay. So it could just be like the theme of like two languages like blending together or alternating mm-hmm. back and forth. But... She spent a long time because um, in order of release date, it was near the Dragon Guard 3, then near Automata. And I know Emmy Evans worked on all of them, especially in near one, because that was the first time that she did something for Yoko Taro. And she, he just kind of kept her on with Okabe san. And yeah, she completely made it by herself with some direction but yeah and um he also uses the celestial alphabet which doesn't really like match but it's still his kind of thing too i didn't realize it was an actual alphabet until recently (laughs) i thought he just kind of made up characters yeah i remember seeing something about that how like the apparently random capitalization in near and in yorha is like a little nod towards that angelic alphabet Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I think, too. He doesn't really, like, go out and say that kind of stuff, but Clems kind of theorizes on it, too. Like, no, should we, like, be looking out for this kind of stuff? Because, like, he was starting to think in his automata analysis is he was, like, trying to think, like, maybe we should start looking at that. Because I know, I just mm-hmm. thought that, you know, what Taro-san said before, he's just like, oh, it's just a stylization. But because he's <laughs> such a troll, you have no idea. It could yeah. mean something. No idea. Well, we've we've got to find the last secret in in Near Automata because oh, nobody's yeah. found right? it yet. <laughs> yeah, mm. uh, yeah. 
Yeah, like I understand there are like drama cities and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about like the music. It's just like there's the near soundtrack. There's a yeah. soundtrack of rearrangements of the near soundtrack. There's a tribute album where there are a bunch of different artists remixing near tracks. There's mm-hmm. a collection of, of, of everything done for piano. And then there's like a jazz version. Yeah. And the only way we can get away with that when we remix is if you have a lot of strong melodies. Mm-hmm. I'd never thought of that before. Yeah. And then the, the automata soundtrack is, just, is is simply a whopping three disc. It's probably like two and a half hours or something like that. <laughs> no, three and a half hours, excuse me. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Once they collaborated with Platinum, it was like all great from there. Like, it saved both of them, honestly. Oh, dang. Saved Platinum and Yoko Taro. Okay, because the, the studio that made Nier doesn't exist anymore, right? Nope, the Icavia. That was one of the things that came up in the research. But one of the things that I want to find out more about is Z's Whopper of uh, Famous Last Words, mm-hmm. which anyone who has any any help for this, like, feel free to chime <laughs> in. Z, you had said the popularity of Nier is as small as it is because it came out after Sony had disrupted the Nintendo-based gaming monoculture. That's what you said. <laughs> I sure did. The floor is yours. <laughs> and the day is mine. I had said that based on the uh, guess, the assumption, the feeling that for whatever reason, Nier came out a lot, a lot, a lot earlier than it actually did. Like, I thought it came out in 2000. I believe it came out in 2010. <laughs> Yeah. So I was just a little bit off there. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the difference between but... like the N64 and like <laughs> Xbox, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, underlying that famous last word, that question, was the idea that, you know, well, before, you know, if it was on a Nintendo console and any good, everybody would love it because that's all people were playing, you know? Sega was kind of in the background. It was eh, sort of there, you know? Maybe it does what Nintendo don't. But Nintendo is always there doing what Nintendo does. Um, and <clears throat> sorry, sorry, go ahead. Anyway, though, going all the way back to Drakengard, because that's really where you got to start with this. <laughs> Truly. The PS2 was already out, because it was a PS2 game. PS2 had been out for three years, so the N64 left in the dust. PS2 came out in 2000. GameCube came out in 2001. Also out in 2001, the Xbox. So gaming monoculture, and nope, not a chance. <laughs> Way too diverse at that point for anything like that to be true, to be real. But aside from the fact that you know the PS2 was probably the, quote, winner of that generation, it seemed like the problem with near's popularity at least up until uh near automata was that the games just weren't very well regarded people kind of liked the idea of drakengard it seemed critics liked it how it had these different gameplay styles but they didn't think that they were implemented that well together like i think those people who played it either to review it or just to play it appreciated it for what it tried to do to sort of blend the kind of like uh, Hyrule Warriors style action RPG kind of game with something that's a little bit more like a, like a shoot 'em up. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that 
Yoko Taro actually didn't reveal that Nier was related to Dragon Ball first. Oh, so, oh that tells you yeah. something. Oh, <laughs> I didn't want to disrupt your, <laughs> your talk, but yeah, he didn't. Oh, man. It was only later when people started speculating, like, the red magic that comes from the book. Is that from Angelus in your previous games? In the previous the Dragon Ball game? And then he was just like, yeah, it is. And then he, he like, revealed all this stuff. Um, like the disease that happened with the Queen Beast from Dragon Guard. Like all this all this stuff was revealed after that. Especially when they made Grimoire Near, which is where a lot of um the information that they didn't have the budget for in the games, a lot of that stuff was put in there and other books and translated by people like Rekka and yeah, and then we, we started realizing things like, Oh, they are all connected. That's so <laughs> cool. The gameplay style is definitely different yeah, in all of the yeah. two. Like, um, there is no flying in Near One. There is no. flying on dragons in all the Dragon Ball games. There's flight units in Near Automata. I know too that he really wanted to do shoot 'em up, mm-hmm. whatever Near Automata is considered when you go into flight <laughs> units and everything. I know he wanted to do that so bad. So to like perfect that with Platinum, like it's everything mm-hmm. he wanted to do. So it really worked out in the end. Yeah, and looking at the Metacritic scores as recorded on Wikipedia, so maybe they're out of date, but everything before <laughs> everything before Near Automata averaged out to about 62%, yeah. whereas Near had an aggregate score of 89%. So, pretty big difference. That's a big That's difference. That's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Dragon Guard is just so hard. Well, especially the first one. And two, but we don't talk about two. It's just very, very carpal tunnel heavy. I yeah. all I have for a PS2 controller, all I have is a really horribly modded one. And I tried playing Dragon Guard one. I couldn't get past chapter three. Wow! I had to just watch a play through the rest of the time. I ended up loving it because it was just so messed up and crazy. <laughs> but I just couldn't play it myself. Dragon Guard three is a lot easier to play because it was made after Nier. But I ended up getting to this third playthrough and got too hard so i watched the rest and near i played through the first ending but then i ended up researching the rest because at the time i didn't have time to finish it so someday i will mm. but i know everything that happened so <laughs> near automata was a lot easier for me though because obviously nowadays we have easy mode and yeah. it definitely helped people like me who only care really about the story so Third playthrough is really hard, though, even on easy for Adam. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I suck so bad. I've been doing the first playthrough, and I did it on normal, because I'm like, I know how to play games, and I was playing Bayonetta, <laughs> and it's the same studio, so, like, they're the same. Yeah. They're not the same game, but... <laughs> I recently found that out, too. I was like, oh. Yeah, good. they're not the same. <laughs> I, I was playing a bunch of it, and I'm like, I'm not bad at the game. I'm not dying. I died, like, once in the entire first run. But I wasn't dealing a lot of damage, so it's like, this is just frustrating with, like, dodge and hit and dodge and hit and dodge and hit. And I'm like, yeah, I'll beat this, but it's just like, just die. Will you die already? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, after doing some reading, there's, like, a thematic element to the whole cycle of uh-huh. going... Especially with uh, when Eve goes crazy, it the, the enemies start getting more, like, hard because he's he's the only one left when Adam dies and they're all connected to him because he's their main network connection. And yeah, that's why they all get harder near the end of places A and B. B A and B are the same. It's just A's and two B's perspective 
and B is in Linus's perspective. Yeah, so and then the, the rest is a continuation. I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to figuring out what all the random boxes and doors and other things that we can't <laughs> open are for. <laughs> uh, that might actually be a good segue to the why. Oh, hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, as I often do when we're researching an episode, I will type in, why do you love things? <laughs> doesn't always result, but it did for this. But the tone for a lot of the, the results I found were, why do you like this? <laughs> like, <laughs> a lot of people are like, this game is terrible. I don't know why you like it. <laughs> like, that, like, I saw a lot of threads like that. It seems like the gameplay has always been a little contentious for the near and and dragon guard games it has not always been the smoothest but i mean it, it seems to come down to like gameplay versus story in a lot of situations yeah there's a lot of people that stop playing because of gameplay <laughs> i know a lot of critics for automata also stopped after the first playthrough too so oh really it's mm-hmm. like they don't know what they're talking about yeah <laughs> it's really sad uh, but yeah it's for me it's mostly the story because I think he's scared at storytelling, even though it's very convoluted. But it, it's like once you start researching stuff, like I know that there's a lot of stuff that I just know I can answer for people who have questions. So it's kind of cool, except for, like I said, the autom- some of the automata stuff is still up in the air. Must be satisfying. Yeah. For people, for people <laughs> to approach this like me, for example, and I was like, what the hell is all this? <laughs> well, explained to me three different times and now i'm still trying to put it together but to have that actually the pretzel like unraveled in your head must be very <laughs> satisfying and almost like a bit of a, a bit of a secret handshake kind of thing if you find someone yeah. else in the wild who's also kind of up on your level <laughs> sorry sarah you said you, you're like oh, i'm at a point where i can answer questions i'm like what do i want to ask <laughs> i want to know don't want to spoil things. <laughs> yeah. Spoil But I do. Myself. But you do know. You should know to do Emil's first quest, the Lunar Tier quest, if you haven't done it already. In the second playthrough. Well, if you haven't done it in A, you need to do it in B, or else it will be gone. Okay. It, it didn't come up in A. There were a bunch of things that I'm. Um, well, yeah, it, it, you could do it in A, I think, but I ended up doing it in B because I was like, oh my god, I want to talk to him more, but it didn't end up happening because I didn't know that 9S was going to get taken, and you have to talk to Emil for the quest with 9S, so it's like, great, now 9S is gone and I can't talk to Emil, so in B I ended up doing it, and it, it's just really great, it's a really good nod to the first name that you can do very early. I'll definitely do that. In the second playthrough <laughs> but that actually makes me think of something in particular so from what little i know about the other games in your automata as well like there is a lot of interest in i would say emil yes like people are big fans and all i can think of right now is damn that guy's got a creepy face <laughs> it's not a, it's not <laughs> a face it's a mask yeah so what is what is the deal with emil i, I know that there's like Oh, a bunch of so near stuff. <laughs> okay, like anybody who's listening, like there's spoilers. It's really hard to avoid spoilers when really talking about why spoilers. people love things. Because like, if you loved M Night Shyamalan, it'd be like, hey, there's a twist. It's kind of hard not to talk about that. <laughs> I kind of like Shyamalan. <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, I, that's what that's a topic for another day. <laughs> 
what's the deal with Emil? Like you, you've even got his uh, like a mask in behind you, right? Yes, yes. I got a commission for him. I I cosplay both forms as human and when he turns into a weapon. Um, it's a major point in Near. Basically, he's a he's a he's a main character in First Near, and he he accompanies Near on his journey. At first, he's just a blind boy with like a blindfold. He's not really blind, but he just wears a blindfold because his eyes petrify people. Because he used to be worked on as a like a human experiment, child experiment in the Hamlin organization, which is basically the government of Near One. Like they kind of take over Earth and just do these experiments with all the magic that came from the Queen Beast and the dragon that Kaim was in love with, the Angelus. They take all that magic and basically use it for bad things. And Emil is sadly one of the child experiments. So basically, he's like the only human in the first near game. When everyone's a replicant, he's actually technically a human. <laughs> so in the middle of your first playthrough of Nier, Kaine is going to sacrifice her life for Emil and Nier and Vice book that accompanies you. Because there's this shade, boss, that is like attacking you and she wants to lock him in the library closet. So the, she's like, the only way we can do this is if Emil releases this blindfold and petrifies me to lock the door. So he does that. It's a very, very sad scene. It's like a really big part of the first new. Five years later, Emil comes to Nier and he's like, I think I found a way to cure myself from, you know, my eyes. So... He, at this point, he doesn't remember really too much of his past um, because they really messed him up over the last thousands of years. And um, so Emil and Nier start going into the basement of his mansion. It's not really his mansion. It is the lab that he got tested on. They find his sister, who is called Number Six. She's all skeletal and huge and really gross looking. He actually ended up petrifying her in the past because she was so powerful and was like killing everyone in the lab. So he unpetrifies her and then she eats him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he becomes that skeletal figure. It's so sad. It's so sad. He is like, yeah, my eyes are, are healed, but I, I'm like, I can see now. I'm so ugly. And, and near like comforts him like, no, it's okay. It's like a super big father son kind of thing. If you're playing the American version Actually, Emil technically has a crush on Brother Mir if you're playing the replicant version. Hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's, he's just a precious little boy. He sacrifices himself like over and over and somehow still lives, obviously, because he's in Ottawa. Um, but then there is a short story that explains he actually made copies of himself too. Because between near one and near Automata, there's like 10,000 years or 9,000 years or something. So he, at one point, he was fighting the aliens when they were attacking Earth, and he made copies of himself to help protect the Earth. And that's why Emil's an automata, because he survived all that through his copies. <laughs> He's such a precious boy. I'd only realized when, like, I'd only seen Emil a few times, because he, he comes around in a little truck. I like stopped the truck. Yes. And he's like, oh, like, have a good day, friendos. And I was like, is that where that comes from? Hey, friendo. <laughs> yeah. No, he starts saying friendo in automata. He never really said that in, <laughs> in the air. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's so cute. He, then the song he sings, 
like da 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 da. It's like an upbeat version of his sad as crap song in Year One. So when he's I when I realized that I was like. <laughs> This is what his life has come to. He's just, he doesn't remember anything from Nier. That's why, that's why his quests are so important. Because you start giving him more memories of what happened in the first Nier. And, and because he's made so many copies of himself, he just, it's just lost. It's been so long. So, yeah. It's so sad. <laughs> I have a fact about Emil. I was wondering if you could confirm this. Sure. This is according to the Nier wiki. Okay. Under trivia. <laughs> Quote. Emil is good at dancing furiously with glow sticks in each hand like he's at a rave. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably something Yazotaro just made up for him, so that's canny. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> he just makes up some stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it was probably said in like one of the books or something, I'm guessing. No raves in the games. No, definitely no raves. Yeah. I wish. Somebody make a gif of that. What was it that like hooked you? into Nier. You mentioned you played Automata and then you're like, oh, this is pretty good. And then you got into Nier and Drakengard. What? Oh, I got, I played Nier first, actually. Oh, okay. First yeah. What was it that like hooked you on that? You're like, I'm, I'm trapped. I can't get out of this. You know, you're, you're in the room oh, and it's God. like, hey, hey, fellow fans, how do I get out of here? And they're like, there's no way out. <laughs> there's no way out. It you're was stuck here. basically the first Nier was the first game of the series that I played. And it was three years ago, literally when Automata was first announced at E3 in 2015. I was like, wow, this has got good music. This is really cool. I, I like it. So I looked up Nier. I was like, I better play the first one before I play the sequel. And I was like, oh, this is part of Drakengard? Oh, that's weird. And then I, I just was like listening to some of the music and I was like, oh, this is cool. So I ended up making a post on Facebook. I was like, hey, does anybody have Nier for PS3? Because I still have PS3 and I don't have an Xbox. So, And then my friend Allison who's not so old cosplay, she started freaking out. She's like, this is my favorite game in the universe. I will buy you a copy because nobody knows about Nier. And I was like, oh, oh maybe. But it ended up being like a huge social link between me and her because she loves Drakengard too. And then we cosplayed together. But the person on my post that I ended up following up with was my now roommate, Ricky. And he had Nier for PS3. So I played it. I loved it. It was mostly because I just really was in the mood for JRPG that was more actiony and like not super Japanesey. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it was kind of medieval, but at the same time it was Earth. So I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." Because Dragon Guard is all medieval type stuff, so um, so it kind of like blended medieval and modern day together. I really like that, and of course, Emil, precious boy. So yeah, that, that really got me hooked on it. And the multiple ending factor. Like, I love time travel and multiple ending type stuff. So it it instantly became one of my favorite games from that. So And then I played Automata when it came out. And then that's when I got into Drakengard and realized how all of it was connected. I was like, oh. Because that's the main thing I love about the series is that there's little things that you wouldn't think is connected, but they're all connected. And it's like the best. I was going to ask about that, actually, like if that's appealing. Obviously it is, right? There's this long sort of thread of story 
except you know in dragon guard it, it goes from like medieval era through like some kind of portal into like a more modern day mm-hmm. and then between near and near automata there's what eight thousand nine thousand years yeah so it doesn't follow on exactly logically you kind of have to know the gaps to fill them in otherwise they'd seem like disparate yeah but that's part of like like the fun secret of it maybe <laughs> I just oh yeah that's the that was the problem when Automata came out because everyone was obsessed with Tubi's butt like oh man mm. she's so hot and I'm like god she's an android that has no feelings like can you not like please no that's not true oh, she has feelings well you know what I mean eventually no, I, yeah. <laughs> she's like I don't have any feelings I'm a it's like mm. dug into their minds like emotions are prohibited you can't you can't like, that's the rules. But then you realize the, it's the rules because there's this robot from the first year that installed the emotions into everyone. And yeah. So <laughs> I knew it, too. I called that because Yuri Lowenthal plays these characters that are involved with this robot in year one. And he just goes nuts. He plays two brothers. The one gets killed. And the other one's like, oh, it's because of the robot. Oh, I hate robots. They're horrible. I'm going to kill them all. And he's like, goes crazy. And I had a really big feeling that that robot was going to play a part in Automata. And what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. This cannot continue. <laughs> That's nope. my favorite song from Automata. <laughs> it's like, it's really easy to get stuck in your head. It's so good. <laughs> and then become as gods. Yeah. Small spoiler. Like you're fighting. Just become this... as humans. Yeah. You're, you're like fighting this giant <laughs> swarm of robots. I'm like... I'm beating more of them, but are they ever going to stop? The answer is no. <laughs> That's like this really smooth transition from that into like a boss fight. Mm-hmm. And then really smooth transition from like the voices into the, the song. Hmm. Yeah. And then really strange transition into the plot. The music transitions are a big thing with his games too. Like um, in Dragon Guard 3, for instance, you're fighting normally with the intoner and like you're playing a zero and she's fighting normally. And then when you hit intoner mode, it's the same song, but with vocals because they're songstresses, so they're singing. They're like, oh. Yeah, it's like so cool. And it's to the music. And then once intonal mode is done, then it's back to regular music without the voice. And I, I really love that aspect of his games. I think it stemmed from my love of Dot Hack because Dot Hack always did that too. So it kind of like reminded me of it a lot. All right, I got one here from the Giant Bomb Forum. In one of those threads, it's like, seriously, why do you guys like Nier Automata? Mm-hmm. And then someone talked a little bit more about the series and uh, Terioko. And this is what he says. Beforet? Beforet? That's the username. Nier Automata doesn't play that great, and I think at least some of that is on Yoko himself. He's just not that skilled at actually making a video game. But what he lacks Whoa. in technical skill, he makes up for with a willingness to be different. To challenge the player, not necessarily in search of profundity. Sometimes the challenge is, why are you even playing this? There are so many side quests in the original Nier that are straight up grade A garbage, and it feels like the developer is explicitly taunting you. How many comments? He's a troll. He's a troll. (laughs) Wasn't there a bit of news about him being a troll, like, literally today? He really is. I, like, man, I first started realizing it when he started posting screenshots saying Nier, like, Gestalt and Replicant remaster oh, man. he posted on his twitter and he's like ah. oh might be the next game guys and then everyone started freaking out like oh finally <laughs> but it ended up being a hoax because he's a troll he, like that's mm-hmm. just who he is i don't know there's this interview 
oh, I forgot. Uh, it's like Toko Toko or something. It's some new show that interviews Japanese artists in Japan, and it's like a whole like twenty minute interview of his life. And he's just wearing the male mask the whole time, obviously, because he likes to conceal his identity now. And it's just bizarre. He's just a really eccentric person. And I don't know, it's like charming in a way to a lot of people. I think like a lot of people just kind of associate Yoko Taro as a meal too. Like they don't realize that it's actually a character in his game. Oh, wow. So they just like if I if I went to a con cosplaying as number seven Emil, people would call me Yoko Taro and make me so mad. It's like Dead Mouse. <laughs> like, do I have? I love Dead Mouse. <laughs> like, do I have a shirt and pants on? No, I have this robe and a scarf. Like, <laughs> I'm not Yoko Taro. I'm Emil. <laughs> yeah, he's just a weird guy. I don't know. There's a bit of a like a personality thing. Yeah. Do you ultimately find that kind of as you said charming? Yeah, I do. And like I said, too, I started playing when Nier Automata wasn't even, like, a thing. Like, it was just announced, and I rushed through Nier, like, because I freaking loved it. And then, like, there wasn't really too much about Yoko Taro. Like, I think he just started going to public things with the Emil mask on at that time. Hmm. I never knew what he looked like. But, I mean, a Google search will tell you what he actually looks like. But there's only, like, one photo. <laughs> wow. Because he just, I don't know, he's just likes to conceal his identity. I do know that he's taken it off at cons, though. My friend from Singapore, um, she cosplayed Emil in the contest that they had last year at a really big Singapore event, and she was like, oh my god, he took his mask off! (laughs) (laughs) Like, she was (laughs) live-tweeting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Looked at everybody's phones in a basket. (laughs) Yeah. And then said, all right. (laughs) It was me. Unveiled. (laughs) Nowadays, I see him take off, like, the back half I don't think he used to do that, but now he, he can take it off, like the back off, so he can still keep that on. To cool on his head. Like, to cool it off, it. yeah. <laughs> Out of all the things that I could have picked, you mentioned at one point that to uh, be there was a lot of um, issues. Like, man, we're going around looking at this. This like we're looking at her butt. Spend a lot of time looking at her butt. Are there other parts of the games that are really contentious within the fandom, or like outside of the fandom? Like, making a big deal about stuff. Yeah. Like, Kaine in year one. How she's this badass character. And there's a lot of people that got so mad finding out she's a hermaphrodite. It's like, dude, like, calm down. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Because even Yoko Taro himself, like, he just kind of put it in there subtly. And then all these people started freaking out. Like, what? I don't... What? And he's like, I don't, he just, she just is like, it's not a big deal. Like that, that's why, that's something I really love about him too. Is like, yeah, Emil's gay. So what? Like he just made a comment about wanting to marry Nier and that's it. Like people made such a big deal about that kind of stuff. So it kind of makes me mad a little bit too. I think what made me realize I started getting mad about this stuff was that because the DLC option in Nier Automata is to get old costumes from the previous games. And there's this artist at Colossicon that had these prints of 2B and A2 in... 2B was in Kaine's outfit, and then A2 was in Brother Nier's outfit. And this guy in front of me, in line for this vendor, was just like, I really want that 2B and A2 print. Kaine looks really sexy, but I don't know what that outfit's from. I'm like, ugh! Ugh! (laughs) It's Kaine's outfit! (laughs) 
Man. I ask Raph. He was just like, calm down. I'm like, I need to leave. <laughs> it's like these people just don't know. And it, it that's what makes me the most mad. I, <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on. They over-sexualize 2B a lot. Yeah. It makes me mad too. So. Yeah. So it seems like the whole series became way more popular once Near Automata came out. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, for sure. Like Im- immediately, so, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can show you some graphs. <laughs> Do you want to see some? No. There's so, the sex appeal. There's the uh, platinum games, like awesome gameplay. Like oh yeah, 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 yeah. But then people start playing, and they're like, "This isn't sexy." <laughs> yeah. This is like like, like my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but have you noticed, like, be- because it's become so much more popular, sort of within the fandom itself, it's kind of, I don't know, been. I don't want to say watered down but like it's become a little bit distracted from talking about the references talking about the philosophy of the games is this kind of like that moment when nirvana became huge and Kurt <laughs> Cobain was like i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> it's weird because there are a lot of people that just care about automatic they don't want to know about the war they don't want to know about the previous games at all uh, but there are a lot of people that are new to it that really are appreciative of lore and want to play things in a certain order and like find out the lore and everything so i really appreciate those people I, it's not that i don't appreciate people that just want to play automata like i get it it's it's a new game it's polished it's great to play in itself it has its own story mm-hmm. but my personal feelings for the first year is like is like so huge that there's so many references in your automata that people just would gloss over and like they still get emotional obviously it's an emotional game whether you play the other games or not but there's just so much that it would make it even more emotional if you've mm-hmm. at least known what happened in the first year so that's just me yeah. <laughs> i will never stop loving the first year <laughs> like that is it's just such a great game oh i love it i'd like to throw this one open to the entire floor the aforementioned near wiki Good stuff. <laughs> Refers to Kaine as a tritagonist of Nier. Tritagonist. What does that mean? <laughs> um, it's weird because you only play as Nier in Nier One. Like, there's no DLC for the characters. Well, I mean, it's interesting because the second playthrough of Nier One, you do get a lot of Kaine backstory. You you find out basically what her relationship was with her grandma, which is a huge deal. Um, it's even covered more in a novella, but like I said, I've only actually played the first playthrough of Nier, but I do know what happens story-wise in the other ones. I'm not entirely sure if you get to play as Kaine. I don't think you can, but you still, in second playthrough, you find out so much more about her. You find out why she has the Black Scrawl and bandages because she's got a shade taking over her. Mm. Like, and he knew her from when she was a human. Like, there's this whole thing. And so she is a very, very big character. And I I guess Tritagonist would be near Tiny and Emil because they... I mean, Nier is the main character, though. Mm-hmm. But they are... Technically, they're on the same level of importance, I guess. But yeah. So after an extensive Google search... <laughs> yeah. Did you just look up Tritagonist as well? Yep. Because <laughs> you've already ruined my punchline. Yep. <laughs> this person who is third in importance after the protagonist and deuteragonist. 
Oh. In an ancient Greek drama. Are you sure it's not Urban Dictionary? <laughs> well, I'm not sure like that it's not the Urban te- Dictionary. Tetra- tetraagonist? The fourth tetra. most important? <laughs> How do you rank them? Wait, so yeah. like, do they put Emil second or Yona second? That's what I'm curious about. Well, I'll see who it refers to as the deuteragonist by uh, clicking Deuter- around here. Dude. Deuteragonist. I think that's just Latin for, for two. two. Yeah. Second? Because oh. I was going to say quat- quateragonist, but I think it'd be it's tetra. Tetra. Yeah. Yeah. Language. It's hard. <laughs> it doesn't help when it's bouncing between Greek and Latin. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that detail, too. Yeah. <laughs> You're on notice, alien quadrilogy. <laughs> Te- tetralogy? Tetralogy. <laughs> or quadrivium. I don't, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> stop. No. My head hurts. Oh, boy. <laughs> Man, I've only played Automata and I've only gotten through the first playthrough, but I really appreciate how the game, like, if you didn't want anything else, and I don't know why that would be the case, because there's so many questions, so many questions, (laughs) which are probably going to be unanswered, but, like, it was short. Yeah. I've talked in the past about how I really enjoy Chrono Trigger because it's satisfying and you can finish it in a short period of time. I think I played Nier Automata for, like, 11 hours, and then I got an ending. Like, it, it doesn't tell me the entire story, but, like, it tells me a complete story. Yeah, they mainly want you to focus on the side quests out in A and B, because after that, it's no spoilers, but it, you can't really do much in terms of side quests and the rest of the game. And, until you get the chapter select and you can go wherever, but yeah. Chapter select doesn't come out in the B playthrough? It doesn't come out until you're done with the main okay well i learned things today <laughs> it's a good thing i haven't good, good thing i haven't started my b run through yes yeah yeah you were lucky that you talked to me now because i got to see and i well i mean i did what i wanted to do but i didn't know that that would happen and i started playing c and i was like i hate my life so much right now isn't there like a somebody had told me that you need to talk to 60 at some point to get like a special side quest yes I mean, it's not super important, but it does play a key part later on in C and D. Like, like she comes back, and it's like a big deal why she's doing what she's doing later on. And if you didn't do her side quest, then you would be like, "Why the heck is she doing this?" Okay, got it. <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah. All right. In the absence of other questions, I'm going to throw one out there, and it, maybe it's a softball because I haven't done enough research, or because there's a lot of characters. <laughs> what is with? the uh, naming convention of the different robots. We already talked about how 2B is very obviously a reference to existentialism. Thanks, everybody, for telling me, for enlightening me. <laughs> <laughs> missed that Missed that one right over there. Yeah. But uh, the other robots, like, their names don't seem to have any particular significance on the face of it. Like, we've got 6-0, A2, like, 12. Oh, those are androids, not robots, but yes. Sorry. Yep. As I was thinking of robots as, like, the enemies, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, like, it's really confusing because they're like, these are the robots, and then these are the aliens, and the robots made these other robots, and then the androids are different. <laughs> the aliens made the robots. Yeah. The aliens have been long dead. Yeah. So humans and aliens are gone. God creates man, man creates dinosaurs, <laughs> dinosaurs destroy <Yeah>. man. <laughs> yeah. 
so what is the deal with the naming of the andro- androids now that i've got that they're all pencil sizes no i thought that it's actually something i don't really know too much yeah i, I was like i always thought of uh pencils too when i first heard their names um i know that there is some stage plays that go through your hus backstory basically like how your was like brought up to be what it is now mm-hmm. so there is some like like there is like your type be stuff like that like there is an actual full name to their robot name but like or i mean android name whoops even i did it so but they kind of just like shorten it to be less syllables and easy to say i guess i do know that like in dragon guard the red dragon that kind of makes pact with and flies around on in the first dragon guard her name is angelus and it's also angel in japan like just angel and that is a huge deal because the religion that forms in Dragon Guard is called the Watchers. And there's a lot of translation weirdness going on because not many people really put the two and two together until they realize in Dragon Guard 3, the boss battles, those things are called angels. But then in Dragon Guard 1, these weird, grotesque, baby looking things are called Watchers. And it's actually the same thing, but because translations, yeah, because in Japan, they call the Watchers angels. <laughs> so it's like, it is the same thing, but like, ah, English messed it up, basically. <laughs> but yeah, names play a huge role in Dragon Guard. Not so much in Nier, I guess. I don't know. They're just kind of names in Nier. And then in Automata, they're just, they're robot, or ah, they're android Careful types. Now. It's their types. So basically, like, I don't know, they're just shortened. Because if you look on Wikipedia, too, it's going to say, like, your HUD type 2B or something. Or your HUD 2 type B, something like that. So it's just their naming conventions of their Android types. Okay. They, maybe they don't yeah. mean anything, because nothing matters. Either Derby's. <laughs> the letters correspond to, like, functions, right? Probably, yeah, because 9S is, like, specifically a support unit. So, like, yeah. all of their 9Ss are support units. 2Bs are, you know, like, orders or whatever she is. Like, like, they're all different kinds. And then A2 is just kind of... She's a rebel. <laughs> and Clemps explains her backstory in his newest Nier Automata analysis video. Because the stage play about the Yorha units is mainly focused on her backstory and how she became a rebel, basically. It's very interesting. And Rekka was the one that translated it, so I love her. I haven't gone through it myself, but at least Clems goes through like the main thing. So one of the things that was coming up when I was doing some reading about Nier and about the fans is that there were a few things that seemed to cross over. Like one of the one of the things that I did was I went through the comments on uh, Clems's various Nier Automata videos. And I didn't go through all of them because it's a lot of comments. <laughs> but I, I dived a little bit into those. And what I found there was that people were commenting on how, you know, oh, that Made in Abyss music that kicks in around like... I love Made in Abyss. Oh. Okay. Okay. This is good. <laughs> oh, it got me right in the feels. And yeah. Elsewhere, I think on the Giant Bomb forums, people were talking about, you know, the craziness of the stories. It's like Metal Gear Solid. It's... This is crazy stuff, but there's actually something to it. There's actual meaning and some sort of deeper themes running under it if you care to look. Mm-hmm. So what I'm wondering is, do you see 
kind of a crossover between near fans and fans of Made in Abyss or fans of Metal Gear Solid. I never played Metal Gear, but I Metal do Gear. find it ironic that I was like, oh, Made in Abyss won Anime of the Year. That seems, that, that was like that, that little kid show. And then my friend Josh is like, uh, no, excuse me. Like, <laughs> that show, it deserved Anime of the Year. You will freaking love it. You think it's about little kids, but then it's not. And it's really messed up. You just, you just need to watch it. And I was like, okay. So I watched it and I loved it. And then I found out Clemson is making an analysis video of it because I somehow it got lost on my feed that he was even going to talk about the show. And I was like, oh my gosh, he loves Made in the Abyss too. And so I was like really excited. I, th- I think a lot of people just don't know what Made in the Abyss is right now because mm-hmm. it's still kind of low key. But I do feel like a lot of people that like Made in the Abyss do like Near and Tracking Guard. Um, it kind of just worked out that way. Okay. But I think it's it's mostly because it's just messed up in ways that you wouldn't <laughs> expect until you okay. actually get to that point And you're like, oh my God. And the music is... Is kind of like that whimsical sadness mm-hmm. too in Made in Abyss. So I, I didn't realize he put Made in Abyss music in his near Automata analysis videos until I rewatched them today. I was like, oh, that's kind of <laughs> weird. I never realized that he did that <laughs> because I didn't watch it before then. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Okay. The other thing I saw come up every now and then was that near Automata is really good because it's a platinum game, guys. So, guys, uh, excuse me, guys. (laughs) So, like, are you a fan of other platinum games? Because they have a distinct style to them, like to their stuff. Can't really think of what else they've made, honestly. I've I've got Um, Wikipedia open, so I can give you a hand up. I do want to play Bayonetta. I I didn't realize they were made by that that Bayonetta was made by Platinum until like a couple months ago. I was like, oh, huh, maybe I should play them. There's probably some that I played. I just realized they're. (laughs) Um, apparently also mad world which i think came out on the wii yeah is the black and white one that has like greg proops as the announcer oh okay yeah i do vaguely remember and the part that i always forget platinum games is like kind of a spin-off of clover studios which i believe made okami and um um, beautiful joe and what's the other one devil may cry like the first three games hmm so, like, that kind of, like, evolved into Platinum Games. Mm-hmm. You might have also made one of the latest Star Foxes. Yep, that's on here. Oh, yeah. yes. Mm. Star Fox Zero, uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. So are they, like, mainly Nintendo <laughs> games? That's probably why I've never... Don't ask questions. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it looks like they were doing, like, PS2. When they were Clover, mm. they were doing more of that kind of stuff. And then they did a bunch of Nintendo work. Okay. But, I mean... Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah. I think we can move on to the verdict. The verdict, of course, being where we have an opportunity to like summarize our thoughts, conclude, or just say random things that we didn't bring up earlier, because that's also what happens. I can go first. Hey, go for it. (laughs) All right. This is my attitude with a lot of like newer like video game properties that we cover i'm i'm very much down <laughs> to like watch all of these played uh i mean not Dr. dragon guard 2 we don't talk about dragon guard 2 <laughs> that one, yeah. but like three and like near and, and near automatic specifically near i'm super interested in i'm very attracted to the idea of stories 
narratives that take place over like a very long period of time, like between near and near automata, nine thousand years, or like you know, like in the time machine, he goes to like the year fifty thousand or something like that, like just like incomprehensibly far ahead in the future, and like seeing how, I assume, as you said, if you've played near, there's a lot of like little tiny, maybe butterfly effect stuff that you notice in automata which um, I'd be very keen to see as sort of like the branching paths of the endings. I definitely don't want to play the games a bunch of times to do that, but I, I'd be very into watching That's the issue. videos. Yeah. yeah. Like the complexity of it is almost like a welcome challenge. Yeah, my roommate was like super into that at first. That was that was his main thing, why he got into it. He's like, yeah, I want to do, I want to be the completionist. I want to do all yeah. the endings. In order to get the last end, we need to get all the weapons. So that 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 really like resonated with him. Mm-hmm. But then he realized, wow, this is like an actual interesting story that I just want to know more about. So then he just kept buying them, and playing them. Yeah, when when I picked up Infinite Jest, it was like, why is this book so long? <laughs> like that was the inherent mystery. But yeah, uh, it's definitely like the story definitely appeals, which seems to be the stronger bit, and like the music as well. Just listening to the music, maybe. Mm-hmm. I tend to get a lot out of it when I listen to the music apart from the game and then and then explore the game. So I'd probably do something like that. So, like, I don't know if you want to say that I'm in or out. I'm not going to play the games, but I'll probably dig further into them. So say that I'm interested. Clumps is a great person to watch, especially if you know for sure you're not going to want to play them or really be too, like, into watching them from start to finish. Doing the research, I've already spoiled every game. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it comes his videos. Are, I would definitely re- would recommend to you then right. because he's hilarious. He's so funny. He blends his humor in with telling the story because he loves he loves it so much too. There's some aspects as he goes through like the different parts of each game where like his Dragon Guard three part one video might he might have said something that's incorrect, but then he corrects himself in the part two. Hmm. He's like, yeah, you might remember when I said this, and <laughs> sorry, but yeah, this is what I really meant. So yeah, it's, so he's really good at correcting himself too. All right, noted. No. <laughs> well, she's gonna go watch some clumps. All right, <laughs> All right. I can go next. I'm not gonna watch some clumps because I would like to actually go and play the games. <laughs> I know I have spoiled some things, but as is often the case about either playing popular games or watching popular shows or whatever, I don't care that I've had things spoiled because a lot of the time it's about the experience and as I've played through Nier Automata through the first uh, ending, like through ending A, I think it is all about the experience. I am in. I'm definitely going to get at least one more ending in Nier Automata and if I can find a means to play the game, because I only have a PC, I do not have a PlayStation or anything to that effect, um, I will try to do that i do not think i will go all the way back to dragon guard i have memories of playing it on the ps2 and <laughs> just like i said to dragon guard 3 is actually way easier to play but to a point for me anyway because i'm really bad at games though but like the third route in dragon guard 3 got really hard for me but other than that it's way easier to play because it was made after near one so but it's still, the frame rate is horrible. That's all I'll say about that. It's horrible. So it turns off a lot of people. I'm just glad that after putting Nier Automata on my computer, on my PC, that I did not run into the problems that other people had. Yeah. Uh, but I also pretty much immediately installed the mod 
and then pretty much immediately bought a new video card. So I feel like <laughs> it does a lot of things. I'm in. I'm going to play some more of the game. I'm very interested in figuring out um, why 2B wears a skirt, why they have blindfolds, what's the deal with Yorhas, why is the commander being so shady, what's the deal with the humans on the moon. I now know that they're not there, but like, why do they say that they're there? Many questions. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. That I'm going to hopefully learn more about through the game. And if not, I have some questions for you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of that you will definitely find oh, out thank through goodness. main endings. Yeah. Third playthrough is when things start. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll jump in here and go next. I am going to say that I am in. Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> like i definitely agree based on you know our chat here what i've read what little i've played of near automata it definitely does seem to be very much like an experience it's very much unlike you know other games where you know oh i've got to like you're saying about your friend sarah i've got to play this game and like get all the weapons i've got to be a completionist (laughs) it doesn't really seem like a game that would reward that per se it seems like the satisfaction people get out of playing near near Automata, the tracking guards even perhaps perhaps even two. Nope. <laughs> no <laughs> You said the cursed word. <laughs> Is that they really enjoy the experience of the story and how they unfold and like the revelations about characters and various character developments and arcs and that sort of thing. So like I wanna say I'm in because I would really like to play them all even going back to dragon guard but i feel like that's way more of a, a fantasy than anything that would actually happen just i don't <laughs> i don't have a, a playstation 2 or a early gen playstation 3 so i don't know how that would work but um yeah pray for the remaster pray to emulate the remaster Please. <laughs> there's a GameCube emulator. There's got to be a PS2 emulator, right? Oh, there's definitely. I think yeah. There is. Well, yeah, I think it's okay. I think Near One would be Near One and Dragon Guard. Well, Dragon Guard Three you can download on PSN for PS3 if you have PS3. But uh, for all the other ones, it's harder because Near One is either PS3 or Xbox, and it like only you can't download it, and it's kind of rare now. But if you do find it, at least in America, it's like $35 at GameStop if it's used at GameStop. Wow. So I, I got my own copy because I've been, I've been having my roommates um, and Raph's been paying my roommates. So it's decently priced. It used to be way cheaper because like before Automata, obviously, it was like, you know, a niche game. But yeah, it's like 35 American at GameStop if you find it. So it's not that bad. But it, it is very hard to play Near One and Drakengard One, especially. And we won't talk about two, but <laughs> Drakengard Three is probably the easiest out of all the previous games to play. Except that horrible frame rate. If you find an emulator for it, it's probably going to be really bad. <laughs> but only because of the frame rate. Interesting. Yeah. They put all their budget for Drakengard Three in the opening cutscene of Zero ah. slaughtering everybody. <laughs> that's what the money went to was zero slaughtering everybody in full motion video and then the rest <laughs> is like uh, 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 what's going on i can't tell <laughs> am i on mikhail or what did i fall off and i can't tell because the frame rate's so bad that's that was basically when i played it yeah, yeah. all right 
Sarah, how about you? What's your verdict on a near and Dragon Guard, <laughs> but not Dragon Guard Two? It's uh, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really like it, and for someone to just be in the fandom for like three years, I'm still kind of like a newbie. Technically, there's a lot of friends that I have that have been in it for a long time, like since the Dragon Guard days, since before Nier was even a thing. But I still love it enough to have done a lot of research and finding out how the pieces all fit together. So it's very intriguing to me. Cool. Like in my profiles and everything I have, <laughs> I love Chrono Trigger, I love Dot Hack, and then I love DoD Nier because. The, in Japan, it was called Dragon Dragoon, mm-hmm. so it's easy to shorten Dragon Guard to just DOD. So that's why a lot of people you would see DOD instead of Dragon Guard because it's just faster to type in. Say, <laughs> yeah, Dragon Dragoon. It sounds like a the name of a '70s sitcom. <laughs> Dragon Dragoon. There's been an influx of memes about Dragon Guard on Twitter. I don't know if you've noticed, but like a lot of people are making Drake and Josh and Dragon Guard like crossover memes. It's really funny. Like instead <laughs> of Dragon Guard, it's Dragon Josh. <laughs> yeah. I've never watched Drake and Josh, but I think it's really funny. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people are finding more about it just because they're of their interest in Automata. So I really, I really love that. So whenever somebody has questions, they just come to me. I'm like, yes, let me let me teach you, my child. I will teach you the ways of your child. <laughs> and then if you if you don't know, you're just like, oh, I must consult the guru. Yes, Rekka, I have questions. Yes, Rekka, Mr. Clemps. <laughs> I go if I have a question, just go on Clemps's Discord. And be like, oh, does anybody know this? Amazing. Yeah. That brings us to this week's spotlight. Spotlight. I tried really hard to find something that's like fanish and related to the Nier series that's like an active project. I got so close. Um, there is something that you can find called Project Coda, uh, which you can find at nearautomatafanzine.tumblr.com. Hey, spoilers, what, what could this possibly be? <laughs> On their FAQ page, they say, what is this project, Commander? Uh, we have been tasked to analyze and reproduce sound data as images. These images will then be compiled into a booklet to be distributed to all unmotivated androids. Glory to mankind. Oh my gosh. Yes. Unfortunately, the part that makes this not super interesting is that they finished the project. It's a fanzine. You could have bought it as late as last September. But that's it. They sold all the copies. Yeah. Was it promoted on Twitter? Because I feel like I saw it on Twitter and I didn't end up. Uh, I'm not sure because I was, I was like, oh, well, this looks like it's active. And then I dug deeper and they have a schedule page. And it's like, oh, let's take a look at the schedule. And the schedule is well, like, uh-huh, yes, proposal, yes, ending A, B, C, D, E. And then there's, there's an ending E that has not been achieved yet, which is, uh, oh, no, E is achieved. There's also a DLC option, reopen the store to sell leftover damaged copies. Guess what? There aren't any. <laughs> so too bad. Right. <laughs> But that is the project that I found. Uh, if you go check out that website, nearautomatafanzine.tumblr.com, you can at least see what it was. And maybe if you're lucky, you can find a copy online. See the cool stuff that people made. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the part that I forgot to mention is that the proceeds of that fanzine went to the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation. So that's like a cool Very thing. Nice. You got the intersection of fandom and charity. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, is there anything 
that you would like to tell the internet about? Emil's best boy. I don't know. <laughs> let me let me put it a different way. You are Sarah, but you also go by SM Zelda Rules. Yes. Is there anything in particular that you do? Are there places that people can go to find other work that you do where they can see Yoko Taro at different conventions? And by that I mean <laughs> Um, Well, I'm SM Zelda Rules. I'm a cosplayer from Buffalo, New York. And I'm on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram. It's basically the main ones. And um, I don't know. I feel like the only American cons that Yoko Taro has been is PAX East. But the thing about PAX East, like, I love PAX East, but they don't announce schedule until the week before, and Boston is very far. So it's not like I can be like, oh, let's go see Yoko Taro, guys. No, it's not going to happen. And he's so famous, too, that I know it's going to be a huge line and possibly not be able to see him. So, but... Yeah, I know my international friends like the Singaporean cosplayer friend that I have, uh, who makes a lot of my eat a bag charms. She was lucky. Like, well, I mean, like a lot of them go to Asian cons a lot, so um, she got to meet him at, at Singapore one, and that was really cool. Um, it's like it's it's a huge experience, especially for original Nier and Drakengard fans, because like they never thought, like we never thought that Yoko Taro would be this readily available at conventions, like. <laughs> What? It's so cool. But yeah, if you want to like hear my random rants about things, Nier and Drakengard are a big part of my, my Twitter posts, so I guess that would probably be the best place to follow me if you want that kind of stuff. I, I kind of want to dabble more into YouTube, make some kind of videos. I've done con vlogs before. I kind of want to get back into doing that. So. Final Frontier. <laughs> also, my my final thing, if this is going to be the end, is beware of Yoko Taro's creepy twins because there's creepy twins in every one of his games. Well, <laughs> Just watch funny. out for them. Yeah. All right. Well, segue that into this. This podcast is Phantopological, and all of our episodes can be found up at phantopological.com, seventy and counting. Yeah. And anywhere good podcasts are heard, you get your. Stitcher, your iTunes, your favorite podcatcher. If you're using one of those services, please subscribe to this podcast. You'll get a brand new episode every Friday. And uh, some Wednesdays, you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> and give us a rating and review. Let us know how you feel about this podcast, whether positive or negative. We'll thank you for the five stars anyway. <laughs> if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover on the show, email us, nick at the nickscast.com. The podcast is Phanthropological, but we three are the Knicks cast, and we can be found online pretty much everywhere that you can type in the Knicks cast into a search bar. Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Vero. Oh, you Canadians and your Vero. <laughs> Canadian? Is it a Canadian thing? <laughs> well, I feel like when that became like an app, all my Canadian friends were like, hey, add me on Vero. It was like <laughs> all of them. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's a new MSN. <laughs> along with all of that you can also if you're listening to this podcast right now just as a podcast you could also be joining us here on twitch.tv slash the next cast to watch us record this thing alive that's right every week on a special weekday and you can <laughs> check out our twitter to uh to reveal for yourself <laughs> We stream these things live at 8 p.m. 
Normally it's Mondays, sometimes Tuesdays, every now and then Wednesday. We like to keep everybody on their toes, ourselves <laughs> included. And why, you might ask, would you want to come and watch a podcast be recorded live? Well, first off, there's the chat room. You can just come in and chat up a storm. Yes, hello everyone in the chat. Yeah, you've got a lot of fans in the chat there, yeah. My yeah. cosplay partner is here. <laughs> yeah, so you can come and bask in the glory of the various guests that we have on in the chat room. Uh, you can also use your, your chat powers to throw yourself into the conversation that we're having on the podcast. Ask, ask us questions, ask our guest questions. Uh, to quote uh, certain epic film guys, you might want to join us here on these uh, live streams because it's amazing. Amazing. And the power of Nyx, because that's that's pretty important as well. <laughs> but more than that, you can also jump in to that chat to throw your hat into the ring. Help us make this podcast Aww. better. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot of love in the chat right now. Oh, man, Mo- mostly for, for Sarah, but like, it's a lot of love. A lot, <laughs> lo- lot more love than we're used to, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you can throw your hat in the ring in that chat and join us in making this podcast even better by contributing some famous last words. words. That's right. Because this episode cannot continue, there are some famous (laughs) last words. Uh, Next week, we will be having a special guest. We will be having uh, Dan and Ari who were so kind as to, well, Dan was so kind as to join us for an interview at MAGFest this year. Uh, after doing a really cool panel on the music of Final Fantasy. And unsurprisingly, they will both be talking as fans of Final Fantasy. So the question for the chat for us is, what are your famous last words about Final Fantasy? Chat will like stick around a little bit after the stream is over. So if you have any famous last words, dump them there and we'll like try to copy them for next episode to do our research. Uh, but yeah. What should we find out about Final Fantasy fans? All right. I'll go first. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so FF6 is like one of my favorite games of all time. Probably number two. If you've paid attention to the next cast before, you might know what my number one game is. <laughs> but I love that thing. And I have to say, like, the one that seems to have endured, that seems to be passed down uh, through the generations of gamers, is FF7. <laughs> Dang you! And why? Is what I want to know. Why FF7? What is it about FF7 that has like endured where FF6 does not seem to have quite as much, as much as I'd like, perhaps? Also, I was brought, when I was watching Up, Up, Down, Down, uh, Xavier Woods and uh, fellow wrestler Samoa Joe were playing some cowboy game and they started talking about the FFs and I realized there was a dichotomy between the FF6ers and then the FF7ers. Ooh. I'm super interested to find out more about that. <laughs> Nintendo fans versus everybody else. Mm. Uh, we got some famous last words from Tengu Maru. Tengu! You son of a submariner is a good Final Fantasy famous last word. We will definitely mention that next episode. That's true. <laughs> he's another uh, Dragon Near fan that I met through Twitch. Oh, cool. oh nice. He's from he's from um, Brazil. Oh, oh thanks man. for coming out. Yeah. yeah. You son of a submariner makes it very like. Like action TV show villain of the week sort of thing. Oh, you son of a <laughs> submariner! I get you. <laughs> Epic film guys. Nick says uh, Kafka had the best famous last words because he blew up the MFN world. Yo, 
<laughs> Got some uh, Norstein Beckler going on there. <laughs> I'm going to ask a stupid question. Ooh. Or I'm going to have some famous stupid words. <laughs> Why did they continue to call it Final Fantasy? I know there's the Tales of series and there's many series that like have thematic elements that carry over. But I, I feel like especially with recent entries in the franchise... There's not necessarily a lot tying it all together. So why do we continue to call it Final Fantasy and not just Backstreet Boys? Yeah, yeah, that's Backstreet Boys. <laughs> oh man, I want it that way. <laughs> it's all about that brand recognition. Yeah, I like that's. I mean, it is probably the answer, but I want I want to see if there's a little bit more meat to. I that. want near esque connections between all of the final <laughs> well you see the <laughs> ending where the world of ruin if you is... don't kill sin in 10 <laughs> you got it there's always a sin there's always a wedge and there's always a bigs that's right <laughs> z how about you sure uh what i'm curious about is you know we the three of us um and and maybe sarah i'm not sure if you played a lot of jrpgs with the super nintendo or not did you Oh, quite a few. Yeah, like your Final yeah. Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy IV, <laughs> slash two. I've played like a couple hours of four. Okay. I need. It's definitely my next Final Fantasy that I need to get through because mm-hmm. I have the the PS One re release of Chrono Trigger Four, so like I have it. I just yeah. need to actually go through it as yeah. an adult, especially. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, Chrono Trigger is my favorite. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then it's fair to say, like all of us here. We all played through the Super Nintendo Final Fantasies, maybe even the, the Nintendo Final Fantasies. <laughs> but that's not true of, of everybody, right? Like, there are all sorts of people who, you know, shock, horror, gasp, were born in the year 2000 and later, and they probably grew up playing games like Final Fantasy 12 or 11 or 10 or anything after that. So what I'm curious about is those people who came out of this world well after the Super Nintendo had its heyday and we're playing the later Final Fantasies from 10 onwards, do they go back and play the old games at all? Do they like them? What's up with that? Tengu said no good comes from Final Fantasy sequels. Mm-hmm. Ten two was okay, though. <laughs> I haven't played any... It's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I haven't played any of them beyond like 10, and I've seen bits of Ten two, but I feel like that's the one that Don't kind of holds up. Okay, cool. Got it. Don't play 13. Will not. I will, I will stay away from that. I like 10 too because it was like kind of like a less serious aspect to 10. Even though like like 10 is my favorite Final Fantasy. But so at first I was like, oh, they ruined the story of 10. But it's still as a separate game, 10 too is just fun to play. I never played 5, but it brings back those 5 yeah, aspects the job classes where you just you switch them whatever you need you mm-hmm. switch so and I love all the outfits I cosplay mm-hmm. so and she's mainly orange orange is my favorite color so it kind of like works out <laughs> so yeah go pine Sarah what are your famous last words <sighs> I'm really bad at That's okay. questions on the spot I was thinking I was trying to think of one when you guys were doing yours and I'm like I don't know it's okay to ask something simple. Like, I mean, you could also ask something really stupid. Hmm. I'm not going to single anybody out. 
also because I can't remember anybody. <laughs> but like, we've definitely said terrible things. We've all we've wrong. Asked pretty <laughs> stupid wrong. things before on the show. Things that I remember. Somebody was like, "Donut consumption went up as a result of Twin Peaks." That's that was a famous last. <laughs> oh my gosh! Check. Mm. There's a correlation. I don't think there's a causation. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny too because like I've known Ari since I was like. I don't know, 14? Yeah. So we, we, we were online friends for a long time because we were both Riku cosplayers on cosplay.com. So it's like, hmm, what do I want to ask Ari or <laughs> Beyonce? I don't know. Um, but as like a Final Fantasy fan, like it, it's like basically what you'll discuss with them. That's what this is. It's something that'll come up next episode and either yeah. we'll ask them about it because they they probably know more about it than we do. Or we'll we'll bring it up because we like poked into it a bit. So if you want to ask something like, "What's your favorite? Like, what was the most popular costume out of all the Final Fantasy series?" <laughs> then like, I'm sure Ari will have some interest in that for sure. And sure, one of us will find an answer to that. Uh, but you can ask whatever you like. I don't remember if they went over it in Danny's panel, but their all-time favorite Final Fantasy song, maybe. Ooh. And then you guys can talk about yours, too. Because mine is something you wouldn't... I, I didn't think I was going to like it as much, but in 10 to the, the start screen, memory of Eternity, Memory of Light Waves, that is my favorite Final Fantasy song. I cry every, literally every time I hear it. Oh, I got to think about that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's obviously this one. Wait, there's this one, too. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Another tangent. The opera song from Final Fantasy VI? Mm-hmm. took me like i don't know 10 years to realize that there was a did either of you did anybody ever hear of a band called the Leet street boys well i i do know that is that the band that made the the lyrics to that song like all cool and everything it was like a hard rock version of it like yuri the only one for me yeah yeah okay yes that is the same group yeah okay yeah i do know that song i had not pieced it together until like last week i was like oh this song's kind of cool i'm like wait a second this is the opera song from final fantasy and i'm like <laughs> wait this is anyway that group also ended up they would go around to convention and show you how to make your own song and i imagine they're inspired from other pieces but i was just like i only piece this together now <laughs> fun fact the opera song was the first song i played on my synth <laughs> i was just like like farting around like pressing random keys I'm like wait a minute that sounds chills when I cosplayed Gao with my the opera Celeste that me and Ari are friends with, Vicious Cosplay, she she knows all the words to, to that bad song. So she was singing it all of Hatsukon when we, we cosplayed together. Oh, man. And I was just like, wow. I just knew the Oh Maria part. Oh, Maria. Epic Film Gunnick has some famous last words for us. Oh, yes? At Zanarkand is the greatest FF song ever written. Debate. Debate. All right. Change my mind. All right. All right. <laughs> All right that I mean, down. that's probably my second favorite. We'll see. How, there's a lot of famous last words this time. We're going to see how much we can get through next episode. <laughs> might be. You know, two guests on a lot of questions. Might be a very big episode. Yeah, might be. But that's it for this episode. You can ponder your existence until the next time. Um, <laughs> You can wonder why we're here, why everything continues in an endless cycle. What matters? Who matters? Over and over again. Yeah. What does it mean to be human, really? Make our own meaning, man. Ugh. No, you're not supposed to answer those questions. Uh, 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 disregard me, then. Yeah. Yeah.
Don't become sentient. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> they can't be conscious. That's impossible. <laughs> beep, beep, boop, beep, boop. We are robots. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And uh, until next week, whenever we do the podcast, uh, hope you have T, a good time. T, yep. two things. Yep. First of all, Sarah, thank you for coming on. <laughs> oh! Of course. Uh, uh, I should be shamed. I'm just one of the guys now. I'm one of the gays. Yeah, you're going to try and sneak oh, away so into sorry. a regular spot as podcast host. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we literally couldn't have done this episode without you. And secondly, last week, we created a catchphrase for signing off the uh, the, the podcast. We did. Oh boy. Until oh. next time. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. And it's better than I did. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <Bye-bye. you>, <laughs>